This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. Experience the empowering feeling of the Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Get $750 cash towards the lease of our 2024 NX350 all-wheel drive. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Call 1-800-USA-LEXUS for important lease cash offer and pricing details. Restrictions apply. Not all customers will qualify. Offer available in the Lexus Eastern area and it's April 1st, 2024. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good day, everyone. This is Tony Moskal with your high school sports podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for everyone. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? Ladies and gentlemen, the playoffs are in full swing. The NBA playoffs are almost over. Will the Lakers capture their 17th NBA championship? Major League Baseball playoffs are rolling. Will it be the Dodgers, the number one seed in the National League, or will somebody upset them on the way to the World Series? What about the American League? Will the Yankees, the Rays, the A's, or those cheating Astros make it to the World Series? Take full advantage of sports being back and get on in the action with hundreds of odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and sign up to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. This week, I'm joined by not only one of the best high school football coaches in the Southern section, or California, but in the entire nation. He's won over 125 games as a head coach, multiple Trinity League titles, three CIF championships, three state championships, sent countless kids to the next level, built an absolute powerhouse in Bellflower. He was recently named as the 2019 State Coach of the Year, as well as the State Coach of the Decade by Cal High Sports. One of my favorite guys to chat with as an announcer, Jason Negro. Coach, thanks for joining me. What's going on, Tony? Thanks for that great introduction, man. Uh, you made me sound important there. Well, that's a lot of stuff. <laughs> you, <laughs> you, you graduated from Bosco in 91. You played there. How'd you get into coaching? You started at Tribuco Hills. Yeah, when I graduated St. John Bosco, I went and played college baseball for a couple years out at Santa Ana College. And um, I was kind of floundering around. I was at the junior college level. I wanted to be a physical therapist. And then one day I got a phone call from one of my friends. Uh, he had a son who was a seven-year-old and he was starting to, you know, junior All-American football in the city of Bellflower. So he reached out to me and said, hey, man, would you want to help me coach this team? And I was currently just in college, just trying to take my general ed classes and really had no direction on what I was going to do. And I started coaching this little Pop Warner team, and I absolutely fell in love with it. Um, I enjoyed working with young people. I liked working with the kids and, and didn't have too big of a problem with the parents. Um, and I just kind of found a direction and a mission in life. And so I went and, and got my degree from Cal State Dominguez Hills in, 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 the, in the field of mathematics and got my credential and started coaching here at Bosco in 1998. It's been here three years, nine years at Tribuco Hills, and I came back here, and I'm in my 11th year now as the head coach at Bosco, and I couldn't be any happier. What drew you back to Bosco? Just the fact that it was your alma mater, and, and they had struggled a little bit in the previous few years, and you just wanted to go back there? 
Well, when I was at Tribuco Hills, I was in a place where I really enjoyed. I, I love the teaching assignment that I had. I was a math teacher there. It's in a great community in, in, in Santa Margarita, right on the border of Santa Margarita and Mission Viejo. So I really enjoyed that community. I was the head coach for seven years, and I thought we did a pretty good job in our program, kind of building it. And then in my last year there, they were getting ready to kind of re-league and, and, and re-division um, the school, and we got pushed up into Division One. So I was sitting there, and right about that time, I got a phone call from St. John Bosco, and, and, and the athletic director reached out to me and said they might have an opening in their head job. Would I be interested? And basically, the competitor that I am, I, I take a look at the opportunity that I would have had at Tribuco to play in Division One or potentially come to Bosco and to test my skill set as a head coach and as a leader in one of the toughest leagues in the country. And I, and I didn't know how many times that opportunity would come about. So I, I met with them. I talked with them for a while. I talked to some of my coaches and, and made a decision that if I wanted to try to become a better football coach, that I had to challenge myself against some of the best minds in the game, at least at the high school level. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, I came back uh, to St. John Bosco to contest my skill set against, like I said, some of the best high school football minds in the state, if not the country. And before you got there from 04 to 09, they were 32 and 29. Uh, you get there first year, five and five. Before you got there, when you walked into your office, what were the first five things you felt you needed to do when you took over the program? I had to change the culture was probably number one. That was something that, um, you know, I think was lacking here in the program. Like you said, it was about a 500, you know, program. You know, they, they, they were typically five and oh in the preseason and would go oh and five or, or four and one in the, in the, in the league season and really struggled that, that, so the changing the culture, the second thing was I had to bring a winning mentality. A lot of the kids really hadn't experienced winning. You know, that was something that was, that, that needed to change immediately. Um, the third thing was probably, um, you know, hiring a staff and surrounding myself with really good, talented people. Um, the next thing was, uh, probably to start to attract a better kid, you know, a more talented football player that we could compete with the rest of the teams that we were competing with in the Trinity League. You know, there's such a talent-rich area that St. John Bosco is kind of a part of, and we had to give kids in the local community the idea that we were going to now um, provide something different and be able to compete with these other teams that were from Orange County and, and give our kids you know, the belief that they could actually win. And then the last thing was is to build a facility here at Bosco. You know, we're on 37 acres of land and we wanted to try to, you know, slowly build the facility. And the first thing that I started with was the weight room. Um, and then all of a sudden we started, you know, building the things within the program, the, the coaches' offices, the meeting rooms, the film rooms, um, you know, the, the playing surfaces and, and things like that. And then in, in 2018, we put up a stadium and I, I'm really proud of that, and we're going to continue on. And the next thing is a field house. So we're working hard here at St. John Bosco, and I think I did a pretty decent job in those five areas uh, to give us at least a chance to be competitive in this league. Well, I'd say so. Your first year, you're five and five. Were you happy about it? Did you see things moving in the right direction? Because the next year you go eight and four. Looking back on it, it was probably our, our worst job that we worst job that we did as a coaching staff um, in the ten years that I have been here. We certainly had enough talent um, to do a better job of, of five and five. You know, we lost to Santa Margarita, um, 42-41. We went for a two point conversion at the conclusion of the game. You know, had we have completed that ball um, and and won that game against Santa Margarita, we would have probably 
um, you know, went to the playoffs. You know, we dropped a, a close one to the eventual league champion, um, Servite. I think we lost by eight. We, we had modern day beat, you know, with about three minutes to go in the fourth quarter um, of that game in the league opener. So we dropped that game. You know, so we had the talent. We, we were really close. One of the things that I was most pleased with was we closed the gap. I, I think the year before in 2009, they lost by like 43 points to modern day, you know, and we turned it around in one year and actually had a lead 17-14 with about three and a half minutes to go in the game. You know, so I think that, that the fan base, the, the student body, all the people that were associated with the Bosco football community saw the fact that even though we were five and five, we, we completely closed the gap and, and we made it a much more competitive environment for us. And, and then we kind of burst upon the scene in 2011. Yeah, that I think it was that year you went eight and four. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking to you before the Notre Dame game mm-hmm. uh, at St. John Bosco on that old grass field that we all love so much. <laughs> And you were telling me about this sophomore quarterback that you had that already had an offer from Fresno State, that young man being Josh Rosen. Was he the first one to come into the program to help you turn things around? I think he was probably the first marquee-type name to come into the program. And what Josh saw in St. John Bosco was a lot of potential. You know, he, he knew that we had a ton of skilled players all over the place. We were starting to build an interior you know, um, offensive line on both sides of the football. And, and I think that's obviously where you're going to win in this league is you have to be good up front, you know, both on your offense and in defensive lines. And, and Josh knew that if, if we could do that, then we would have a pretty good opportunity and in, in, in for him to be able to distribute the football to a lot of really talented guys. You know, I think Josh was probably, like I said, the first marquee name. We had had kids on in the program and on campus already that were really talented and, and kind of national recruit type guys, you know, Bryce Treggs was here. Um, you know, Nico Fala was an offensive lineman. Those two guys kind of jump out at me right now, but we had a lot of really talented guys, uh, but we never won. So those guys were always looked upon as, as just kind of underachievers and things like that. You know, once Josh got here and, and it helped us, you know, solidify that quarterback position, it really allowed us, you know, to take that next step as a program. And that year, you you play Long Beach Poly. I believe it was in the semis in that fog game. <laughs> I was doing St. Bonaventure and Modern Day, and we had the fog rolling in there. What do you remember about that game? Was that just a weird night for everybody? It was crazy. You know, we were ranked, like, number one in the country that time, and we were 12-0 and going into that game. You know, Long Beach Poly was obviously at the height of their program. You know, Raul Lara was doing a heck of a job there. It was one of his last couple of years there at Poly, and we were kind of – a little bit, you know, in awe, a little bit starstruck. We're playing at Vet Stadium. It was a packed house. In the first half of the game, it was, it was normal, you know, weather and things like that. Then, like you said, all of a sudden, you know, the fog started rolling in and it became a really eerie night for us. And the one thing that I do remember about that night was Juju Smith. <laughs> he, he absolutely, <laughs> um, on both sides of the ball, he made a catch. We were up, you know, really late in the game. I think we were up like 10 to 7, super late in the game. Um, and Ty Tiedemann was the quarterback for Long Beach Poly, and he we had him on like a third and, gosh, I want to say it was like a third and 19, third and 21, and this guy throws like a deep comeback to Juju Smith, makes a remarkable catch on the sideline, and then he had a phantom catch a little bit later in the drive that set him up at the one-yard line, and we ended up losing 13-10, um, and Juju Smith had a pick to seal the game to end it. So he's probably the biggest memory that I have of that night. 
and what a tremendous career he's had so far. You go 16 and 0 the next year. Did you see it happening so quickly all that success? I don't think we saw it as quickly as it, it, it happened because we knew how difficult it was to compete in the Trinity League. You know, each and every week it was just a grind to try to get your kids in the mental, you know, frame that they had to, you know, come out and play an opponent. Um, that's probably one of the most difficult things participating in this league is, is the week-to-week grind that you have to go through. But I didn't see, you know, the, the the speed at which we were able to turn the thing around. I mean, you know, like you said, we were 5-5 five and five in 2010. In 2011, we were 8-4. and four. We ended up going up and beating Alamany, who was the third seed. Coach Harrington had an amazing team that year, and we upset Alamany and then ended up losing to San Clemente in the quarterfinals the next year. And then 2012 – like you said, we made it all the way to the semifinals and, and and barely lost to Long Beach Poly, who eventually beat Modern Day in the finals. So that was a really good football team. So we knew we were trending in the right direction. I, I just think that um, we had to have some breaks go our way. We had to challenge ourselves against some other teams across the country that were really talented, which we were able to do in 2013 by playing Chandler High School from Arizona that was one of the top-ranked teams in the country, and we beat them. Um, you know, so I knew – if we were able to to run the table, we have an opportunity to at least claim a share of the national title, and that's what we we're able to do. And the success has just been, you know, amazing the last several years that that I've been around your program. It's it's fun to come down and and deal with you guys, and and what a great job you've done. When you came into the program, all the building and the changing the cult, changing of the culture. How have you changed in the last few years? And do the kids just come in knowing what needs to be done and, and how to act within the Bosco football program? That's a great question. I mean, I think we've set an expectation. That's one of the things that I'm most proud about. We have set an expectation of what we want and what we're trying to deliver to, you know, to the kids in our program. The other thing is I've had a lot of consistency on my coaching staff. I think that's something that if you want to build a culture – within a school or within a, you know, a program like what we have done here at Bosco is you need to have a lot of consistency with your personnel. You know, this goes back to like even our training staff, you know, my trainer's been here with me for about eight years. My athletic director's been here the entire time. You know, I've had some, some differences in the school administration, but each one of them guys that have come in understood that to be successful at an all boys Catholic high school, you need you know, um, high-level athletics in order to attract kids to your school. So those guys have been on the same page. And then lastly, my coaching staff has been absolutely remarkable. I'm, I'm very, very fortunate to have the people that I have. My defensive coordinator has been with me now 11 years. My offensive line coach has been with me for 18 years. You know, my brother is the head coach of my freshman program. I have a football operations manager, Jesse. You probably know her. Um, she's been really consistent and, and really kind of professionalizing our program from from that side of things in the operations department, having the new stadium, the donor base. We, we basically have a perfect storm here at St. John Bosco. So when the kids come into the program, they know what they're getting. The families know what we expect. We want to be elite. We want to be great in what we're doing. And if you're that type of person who is aspiring to be that type of student athlete, then we're, there is no greater destination in all of Southern California, if not the country, than St. John Bosco High School. And, and we want to continue to, to, to spread that message and we want to build a brand that is nationally recognized and we're going to continue to do it um, as long as we're successful. And, and again, winning breeds a lot of positive culture. And that's something that we've been able to achieve over the last 10 years. 
Oh yeah, we you know the program wins and, and kids want to go there. Now St. John Bosco, all boys school. Mm-hmm. Help me out here, Crespi, St. Francis, St. John Bosco. What other all boys schools do we have in Southern California? Or I think those notably, you, got, you got Loyola. Loyola, um, yep. Loyola is a you know a, a powerful school. They 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 haven't been real powerful athletically, but you know they do a great job you know, as an institution. And I, and I think the coach that's there now is going to change things and turn things around a little bit. I think Servite, obviously, that's another school here that's kind of closely associated to us. Um, they're an all-boys school. They do a great job. You know, I think there's something to be said. I'm a product of all-boys Catholic education. You know, obviously, I'm a graduate here at St. John Bosco, something I strongly believe in. I just think now and nowadays and in, in, in so many things that these kids are exposed to, you know, especially – in the educational system that having an environment like we have here at Bosco is, is so healthy for a young man. Um, and, and we're developing the skills that are going to be necessary for them to be um, successful when they get into their adulthood. And, and I'm really proud of what the Salesians, you know, have done in, in their style of education. And I, I'm just so fortunate to have the platform that I have to be able to work with these guys day in and day out. Yeah. I'm a product of an all boys school. And it's funny when I tell kids that I teach with, they're like, you went to an all-guy school? That must have been weird. I'm like, no, man, I had a great time because you're spending all day, every day, with your just hanging out with your buddies. Yeah, without question. I mean, if you look at the culture that we have built here on the campus, just as a school front, you know, whether you're an athlete, whether you're in the theater and arts department, whether you're high academic in the band, you know, we have a really good culture here on campus. When you were to when you walk the halls, you see that we really have developed a pretty unique brotherhood here. Um, it's something that, like I said, I'm really proud of. And no matter what your skill set is, no matter what your interests are as a young man, between your freshman and senior years, there is a spot here at Bosco for you, you know. And if there's not something here, we're going to create it. You know, a couple years ago, you know, we didn't have, you know, a rugby program and we had a bunch of Polynesian kids in our in our program. And they're like, Coach, it'd be really nice if we had a rugby team here on campus. And I said, well, let's start one. You know, go into the principal's office and say, listen, we want to start a rugby program. Ten minutes later, we started a rugby program. So, you know, it's things like that that really are unique to to Catholic education, to private school education. You know, there's not a whole lot of red tape. You know, the only red tape is is opening a door and walking into your principal or president's office and coming up with an idea about, you know, what you want to try to provide for young people. And I think that we have done a really good job here at Bosco to do that. We're really flexible and, and the kids, you know, have really – bought into this environment and it's one of the reasons why it's such a great institution you mentioned the uh, new stadium you guys have and for a couple of years you didn't have a home field because it was being remodeled which is absolutely beautiful by the way how difficult was it for you and the kids to travel every week even for home games oh man i tell you what it is it is a challenge so when i look at some of these schools that don't have home facilities or they have to get in a bus you know, 10 out of 10 weeks and, and travel around. Um, it's tough. I will tell you what, in 2016, we had seven games where we had seven different home locations. We played, um, I believe it was like at El Camino. We played at Cerritos College. We played at Long Beach Vet Stadium. We even had a home game against St. Mary's at Whittier College, uh, which was kind of crazy. Um, you know, there was that we were supposed to have a home game against La Mirada that year, and we ended up having to play at La Mirada. Um, you know, so it was pretty challenging, but you know what, it was something that I, I look back upon and, and I try to draw upon those past experiences and, and it really kind of, 
unified our team. It, it kind of galvanized us on who we were. And we had to suffer through an uh, early season loss to modern day. And then we come back and avenge that loss in the CIF title game. And I think it made us a better football team. It made us a better program. You know, so although it was a, a little bit of a distraction and it caused a little bit of anxiety as a coaching staff, um, it had the opposite effect on our program and it had the opposite effect on our kids because they were able to look at it as an opportunity to rise above and, you know, to tackle a challenge. And, and they were able to do that. And then that year we had to travel up to Sacramento to play De La Salle in like 30 degree weather and win a state title, which we were able to do. And, and had we had not had to overcome some of those obstacles and adversity early on in the season by playing games all over the place, we may not have been able to develop that team chemistry that we needed to be state champs. So when I, when I look back upon it, I think it was a blessing in disguise. <laughs> You've had a ton of talent come through and I've had the pleasure of seeing a lot of that talent. And you are the top guy on many coaches' speed dial. How do you juggle it all, the recruiting, the kids talking to coaches, the practice planning, the organization of everything? How long is your day? Do you sleep? <laughs> uh, you know, I'm usually the first one in in the athletic department here, here at Bosco. So I'm, I'm kind of the first guy in the parking lot. Um, and I'm one of the last guys to leave every day. But, um, you know, it, to, to try to pretend that I'm the one that's responsible for it all, would be a fallacy. I, I'm not the guy, um, you know, that's responsible for it all. Other than the fact, I think I do a pretty good job of delegating. I empower my people that I have within my program to do the job that I expect them to do at the highest level possible. And they deliver, they perform. And, you know, I have a really, really talented group of people that surrounds me. It starts with my football operations manager. Jesse does an amazing job of keeping me on task and does a really good job of keeping our program organized in terms of the families and, and the communication that has to go out, you know, not only to my football program, but also to the coaching staff. My coaching staff does an amazing job with the day-to-day -day operations of, of practice planning and, and weight conditioning and, and speed development and things like that, you know, and what we're doing there. And then I have a really good, talented group of people that do all of the recruiting, um, you know, help with me. So I have John Hall, who's on campus. He's an assistant athletic director and he also coaches my safeties, you know, at the varsity level, he's responsible for our, our recruiting here on campus. Terry Bullock is another guy that, that does um, a, a phenomenal job of working with collegiate coaches and things like that. And then it's a collaborative effort. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, I think I come in and kind of seal the deal with these college coaches and I kind of, you know, lay out, you know, you know, the, the type of athletes that they're looking for that could fit within their department and their program. Um, but again, if it wasn't for the collective efforts of a lot of really talented people, I wouldn't be who I am today. So I, I think that's the first thing that I need to really mention. Um, but I am the leader. I'm the one that's kind of sitting on top of the pedestal and I have to make sure that all the engines are firing. And so that way um, that we're able to be as successful as we are. And that's my primary role in this program. You sent so many kids to some of the top Division I football programs, and the list of those guys goes on and on. However, you've sent kids to some of the top academic schools in the country, like Harvard, Stanford, West Point, Princeton, um, Whittier. You mentioned Whittier. A lot of people yep. don't know what a tremendous academic school Whittier is. What does that say about the program and the opportunities you guys are giving to kids of every level of football talent? 
I think it says a lot about the institution of St. John Bosco High School as a college preparatory high school here in the Southern California region that is completely a destination for any student athlete um, to be able to reach their potential or to reach their goals. I mean, we have sent as an institution, like you said, kids to some of the most prestigious academic schools across the country. We've sent kids to MIT, to Stanford, Yale, Harvard, um, you know, anyone in the Ivy League, I got I got a kid playing at Brown, uh, like you said, kid playing at, at Princeton, kids play at Cal, all over the place. So I think it says a lot about what we provide here as a platform at Bosco. It's not just about football. It's not just about, you know, being the best athlete, you know, and, and a five-star. You know, we, we have five stars in the classroom, and that's something that I don't think is as well-known as I would like. I think we need to do a better job as a school promoting that we are a national brand in terms of an academic institution, just as much as we are as an athletic institution. You know, so it's something I'm really proud about. If a kid comes into the program and says, listen, I want to be, you know, playing at the highest level in high school athletics, but yet I want to go to Harvard, you know, on, on an academic you know, a scholarship or whatever it may be to get admittance into these schools. Can I have that um, chance if I was to choose St. John Bosco High School? And I think that we have done a really, really good job of, of promoting that. I think we've done a really good job of allowing our kids to get to those destinations, and we're going to continue to do that. So it's not just about football. The academic institution and the teachers, the faculty, the staff, the counseling department, the principal, president, all the people that are associated with building the school that we have built is are the ones that are responsible for that. It's, it's not just football. You we've, we've talked about this before, your scheduling. With your success, it's been difficult for you to find non-league games with local teams. One week, now because you have to go out of state so much, one week you're in Hawaii or out of state somewhere. Then you come home and you've got a Trinity League game against I think it's the best league in the nation. You got to play a Santa Margarita, a Servite, a modern day. How difficult is it dealing with all the travel, all the practice, and while the kids are traveling, maintaining their academics and, and let alone just finding games? You know, it's getting harder and harder. And this COVID has really pushed us um, to the brink in terms of, of trying to find games. Right now, I only have four non-league games. Um, you know, set and, and we're, we're getting close to, to releasing, you know, our schedule and some things like that. But but right now it's it's very difficult because I have been become so dependent upon uh, playing games on a national stage. We've been to nine or ten different states to play games. We've obviously had a bunch of powerhouse programs come into St. John Bosco now that we got the stadium has helped us out a little bit in terms of trying to get these national programs to come in. But one of the greatest things um, that, that I can attribute our success to is the belief in the administration that they has had in me to allow me to go out and do some of these things. So for example, in 2017, you know, we couldn't find games and I had to travel to the East Coast twice. We traveled down to Miami and played against St. Thomas Aquinas School, which is one of the top programs in the country. And two weeks later, we, we had to fly out to Washington, D.C. and to play um, we had to play St. John's College High School. And, you know, and those are our national well-known names. So I think that if you want to build the program that we have been able to build at Bosco, you want to have an opportunity to attract some of the best kids in your local area, and you want to be considered in the talks of winning a national title, 
well, you better start scheduling people. And I think that's one of the greatest, you know, difficulties that I have with, with the coaching profession and what we're experiencing right now in high school athletics is so many coaches are so afraid to play people. And, and I wish that would change. I think CIF has done a really good job of, of altering and changing their division alignments, which would try to force people to play um, a more challenging schedule. But anytime you call somebody nowadays, you know, they, they really don't want any part of playing a program like ours, which is frustrating. You know, it, it's, it's tough. And, and I can certainly understand. And people will probably say, well, it's because you have the best players, you know, try being in my shoes. Well, I was at one point, you know, and when I was at Tribuco Hills, you know, we played the San Clemente's, we played the Santa Margarita's, we played Mission Viejo's, we played, you know, some of the best programs that our program could play at that time. And, and, and I certainly hope that more coaches are more aggressive in their scheduling. Your league is ridiculously tough. We we all know that. We've mentioned it on all of our Fox broadcasts. And there there are some rivalries in there. I know that you and Rollo have a rivalry on the field, and, and maybe you guys in Servite. But what is the relationship like with all of the coaches? You guys have to have a, a mutual respect for each other. Uh, there's a great deal of respect. I mean, if you're going to coach in this league, and and right now I'm the I'm the coach with the second second longest tenure, uh, you know, which is shocking. I mean, when you when you take a look, when I got into the league, you, you know, it was just such a powerful league. There's so many talented coaches. You know, I think, you know, if, if you look at, at kind of the cream of the crop, Bruce Rollinson has to be the guy that that everybody kind of, um, you know, shoots shoots to be like and to get a program that's that's as elite as his has been over the longest um, period of time that he's been at modern day. Uh, but we have a tremendous amount of respect for all the people that are in the league. You know, I, I have a lot of respect for Coach Harlow, who, who's at Jay Sarah. I think he does a phenomenal job down there. Obviously, Troy Thomas, I competed against him. His first, you know, stint in the league. And then we actually played him twice when he was at Crespi. Um, you know, he was willing to play us with his Crespi squad. And now he's back in the league. Troy has done an amazing job there, um, you know, and – and, and, and J.P. Presley at, at Orange Lutheran is, is certainly a good, well-respected guy. The, the dude that's at Santa Margarita is new right now, so I, I don't know, know a whole lot about him, but I, I'm certain, certainly sure that he's going to be able to co- put a competitive product out there. But I'm just you know proud that I've had an opportunity to coach against some of these guys and to be in, in kind of in that same fraternity. And, and the Trinity League is something that's not only well-known in, in California, but it's also known across the country. So – if you want to be excellent, if you want to be elite, then you better surround yourself in an environment that that kind of has that same like mindset. And, and that's the reason why I'm here. Um, you know, I, I certainly loved having an opportunity that I did at Tribuco Hills High School. But, it, you know, that South Coast League wasn't the Trinity League. It wasn't what this league has become. And it wasn't as well known as what we are experiencing now. And that's what I want to be in. That's the type of environment that the kind of uh, culture that I want to be a part of. And, and I'm super excited about it. And I hope I can do it for a long period of time. I, you know, I'm not sure the NFC East right now is as good as the Trinity league, but you know, you guys are any week, anybody can beat anybody in that league. And it's, it's so difficult. The, the playoff format, we, you mentioned to me last year that it's tough because you have a buy the first week of the playoffs, which which helps heal injuries, lets guys get a little bit better, but it also takes you out of the routine. Are you in favor of that still? I know you mentioned that you like what the CIF has done, and this year there are no divisions, 
and everything yeah. will be announced at the end of the season. Do you like the direction we're going with that? I, I'm a big fan of, of the direction that we're going um, in terms of CIF and how they're aligning the divisions at the end of the season. They're trying to get the best teams in, in the best divisions and to try to properly do that. Um, you know, however, I have been very outspoken that I am not a big fan of only the eight-team open division or the eight-team um, division one. Um, you know, the CIF constantly talks about equity and things like that. Well, I don't understand why division one you know, is only allowed to play three playoff games while the rest of the divisions are allowed to play four playoff games. Um, to me, that's not an equitable approach. And then they're going to come back with, well, these games in the first round, you know, weren't competitive and things like that. Well, I, I think if you want them to be competitive, then you have to allow them the chance to be competitive. And simply trying to create competitive equity is not something that we should be doing. We should encourage, um, you know, teams to raise their level of play um, to try to be as competitive as possible. I don't think that my kids, just because we happen to be in a competitive league, we happen to be a very good football team and we've really worked hard for what we've been able to accomplish here at St. John Bosco should be a denied a playoff opportunity just because the scores of our first round opponents, you know, haven't been very equitable. So that's something that, I, that I'm not real happy about. I'm part of the CIF advisory committee and the football department. Um, I've talked to the to 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 Rich Shear about this, who's who's the assistant commissioner in charge of it. I've talked to Rob Wygott about this. I've been very outspoken that I don't think that our division should be, you know, reduced to eight teams and we're only allowed three playoff opportunities. It's not fair to my kids. You know, football is pretty unique. You're only you know you're only offered you work year round to play 10, 10 weeks. That's all you're guaranteed. And then because of the success that you have in those ten weeks. They're going to limit one round of the playoffs for your kids because you're a, a powerful program. And I just don't seem to think that that's very fair. Um, however, I'm going to continue to fight the good fight. I'm going to continue to support the CIF Southern section and what they're doing um, because I think the direction that we're moving in is the right direction in terms of competitive equity. It's trying to get the best teams um, in the right divisions. However, I think Division One needs to be expanded to 16 teams. If they do that, I'll be their biggest ambassador. You'll be a happy camper. Uh, you know, we've talked, about, we've talked about this a lot as well, transfers. You know, a lot of people complain about transfers. This school gets mm -hmm. transfers. This school gets transfers. And being a private school, you know, you guys, all private schools get them. But nobody mentions all the guys that you lose. As this business of high school football gets more, I don't know, crazy, is it taking a turn for the worse with all these kids chasing scholarships, transferring, no matter from where to where? I don't necessarily think so. I mean, I think that, you know, you know, you know, as Americans, we have the opportunity to be able to make choices. We have the freedoms to be able to do what we feel is in the best interest, um, you know, not only of ourselves, but our families, um, you know. And I think, you know, the stigma that, that transferring gets – with a lot of kids is, is unwarranted, you know, and I, and I know people are probably going to be saying, well, that's because you get all the best players and this and that. Well, like you said, Tony, we lose just as many, if not more kids out of our program who are capable of playing at this level. They just don't have the patience to wait, you know, so kids want instant gratification. So we might have an elite freshman that comes into our program. You know, he's our best freshman player. He does a phenomenal job in our program. But then turn around as a sophomore and he's got a senior sitting in front of him, 
you know, who's a division one power five recruit that that's got multiple offers across the country and he doesn't want to wait. So that sophomore says, well, I'm not going to stay here at St. John Bosco. I'm going to move to a local school or I'm going to move to this school or that school, which is going to allow me to get onto the field quicker. So, you know, we experienced that. And, and I certainly, um, you know, would not have any issue to, to kids leaving our program to, to go and try to seek out a, a better opportunity. Uh, certainly, you know, kids have a four-year window to be able to put together enough of a resume to be able to reach their ultimate goals. And you know what? At the end of the day, if the kid's getting a high level of education, he's getting an opportunity to go to college and he's playing the sport that he loves, what do I care that he transfers either in or out of my program? I mean, again, you know, I, I the kids that come into our program, people say, well, you know, what about that kid that's been a part of your program, you know, for the last three years and this and that, and then all of a sudden, you know, you have a transfer that comes in. Well, it's about competition. And we have built a, a culture here at Bosco where our kids know that. They know that that they have an opportunity to to have someone come into their their position and they're going to have to rise above it. They're going to have to be able to compete. You know, I, I attribute it to a guy that's a salesman at a car dealership. Let's say you're the number one salesman at this car dealership. And then all of a sudden the owner goes out and hires the next best salesman. And this guy comes into that department. And now all of a sudden is going to be, you know, competing for you for, to sell cars. I mean, are you going to what fold up your tent and move to another dealer? Or are you going to tighten up your bootstraps and you're going to go compete to still continue to be the top salesman at that department? that dealership, you know, and that's, that's life. That's what it's all about. And I'm going to continue to preach that. I think our kids embrace that mentality. And, and, and I think that's one of the ways that you can continue um, to be as elite as you possibly can be. And then I'm going to go back, you know, we talked about Tribuco Hills a second ago. When I was at Tribuco, we just got, we got just as many transfers at Tribuco Hills high school and lost just as many kids at that school that we did at Bosco. The difference is, is the profile of the school is much different here at Bosco. You know, we are a much more visible program. We're, we're, like I said, we're on the national scene. So when a transfer comes into my program, it, it, it makes Twitter, it makes Instagram, it makes national news. Where when I got a transfer come in at my program at Tribuco Hills, nobody even knew. You know, so in terms of the volume, pretty much the same. And, and kids deserve opportunities. I, I know you practice on Saturdays. But do you often catch yourself looking at scores from around the country to see how your Bosco guys are doing? It's got to be a pretty special feeling seeing so many of those guys being so successful around the country. Oh, it's amazing. I, I will tell you this. We don't actually practice on Saturday. <laughs> Here at Bosco, I'm a firm believer giving the kids their weekends, so we don't bring the kids in on the weekend. As coaches, we work. So it's probably a little bit better for me because we can watch college game day on the TV here in the office. And then we get our games all over, uh, you know, with the kids playing, um, you know, and that's something I'm really missing this fall is, is that time that I have with my coaches on Saturday mornings and Saturday afternoons where we sit in here and we, you know, click the TV around and watch our kids playing all over the country um, is, is very gratifying. It's a very satisfying, um, you know, day, you know, kind of the completion of our week and as we try to prepare for our next opponent. And it's something I'm really missing, you know, not having the opportunity to do that this fall. But nevertheless, I'm super proud of, of what our kids have been able to accomplish. And it's certainly fun to be able to watch them play at the collegiate level. I love watching it too. I'll sit down and watch a college game and go, I interviewed that kid. I remember watching him and it, it, it's so much fun. Hey, what's next for Jason Negro to accomplish? You've, you've accomplished so much. 
Uh, great question. I want to go win another national title. So, um, you know, I know that we're not currently in the rankings for the 2020 year. So I think you got to kind of throw this year out as a wash and, and just say that there's a big asterisk next to it. Uh, but, you know, as we continue to build this program, when we get back to normalcy and hopefully we'll bring some national teams here and in 2021 in the fall and we want to go win a Trinity League title. We want to continue to win CIF championships at, at the highest level in our section. And we want to try to compete against De La Salle in the CIF um, state championship game. So right now, you know, we want to go try to duplicate what we were able to a year ago. We want to try to win each and every time that we step on the field. Um, I do not like losing. I'm a super competitive guy. I want to have the best high school football program, not only in the Southern section, but also in the state. And I want to be in the co topic of conversation, although it is mythical, to be national champions. And, and that's something that I aspire um, each and every time that, that, I, that I speak with our kids. It's something that we're going to continue to talk about. Um, I'm not going to shy away from it. We want to be elite. We want to be the best high school football program. We want to be a destination for all young men in the Southern California area. And as long as we can continue to be successful and have the resources to be able to do that, um, we're going to be in those talks. And so if you ask me what's next, what's up next is, is our game one, which I could probably let you know is going to be Concord De La Salle on January 8th. Wow. Okay. So maybe <laughs> beginning end of the season for you and, uh, and, and, you know, coach all, all and Bob up there. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like you said earlier, it's been really difficult finding games, but we announced this morning, it probably went out about nine o'clock, but we, we got a home game with, with De La Salle here on January 8th at, at, at Panish Family Stadium, um, and, and I'm ready to ready to go, and I'm ready to challenge my kids, and I know Justin Allenbaugh is, is ready to do the same, and what better way, uh, I guess, to kick off the 2020 season in 2021 against the team that we played in 2019. So um, it's going to be pretty cool. I'm really excited about it. Um, you know, that's one thing our program won't do is shy away from competition, we're going to, you know, I, I think Justin probably has the upper hand in terms of, um, you know, the team coming into our, our, our season, at least on paper. He's got an experienced crew. Um, and, and I think he was chomping at the bitch <laughs> to be able to try to schedule us because he's got some event, revenge on his mind. Well, the, you both run great programs. And before I let you go, I want to ask you five questions. And my, my theme this week is about movies. Okay. Have you, have you been great. forced? Have you been forced to watch The Notebook, and did you fall asleep? No, I was not forced to watch The Notebook, and I will never watch that show. <laughs> it was my favorite show, and if you know there's an episode in there where Elaine had to go watch The Notebook, and they talked about that, and uh, because Elaine Bennis is not a big fan of The Notebook, I will never watch that movie. Your favorite football movie? My favorite football movie is All the Right Moves. Either that movie or maybe the program, uh, because Wyatt Davis's dad was Alvin Mack. Oh, really? And uh, the Am Pipe High with Tom Cruise. Yeah, one of the greatest high school football movies you could find. I mean, that that not only is a great football movie, but it's an excellent high school movie. So, you know, I have to go with uh, Tom Cruise as, as Steph Georgievich as the, as the, the, <laughs> the corner for the Am Pipe football team. Your favorite Western? My favorite Western, um, probably Tombstone. Tombstone uh, was legendary. Your favorite comedy? My favorite comedy, um, oh gosh, that's a tough one. I would, gosh, I would probably say National Lampoon's Vacation. 
I think that was probably the first rated R movie my dad let me watch when I was a kid. And, and I used to sit there and laugh with my brothers and my dad at, at National Lampoon's um, regular, the first vacation. That, that was a pretty classic movie. And then I think Christmas Vacation might be close second. So Chevy Chase did, had a good run there. We still watch Christmas Vacation in the Moscow House. And the I'll, I'll watch movie, Christmas Vacation in July. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the <laughs> one movie you've watched over and over that you will never stop watching. Oh, I have. I probably have a couple of those. Uh, my favorite movie of all time is probably Hoosiers. Uh, Gene Hackman in that movie and the in the relationship that he had with with his student athletes at that school. I, I mean, that's that's what I aspire to be. I want my kids to love me like those kids loved Coach. You know, uh, um, you know, coaching that movie, and and that that's something that's probably special. But if, if you're talking about movies, God, there's so many because I'm such a movie buff. Um, I would have to say Hoosiers is there. Jaws for sure. Uh, I I love Jaws. Um, an, another movie is Usual uh, Usual Suspects. Uh, Kaiser Sose that that's one of my great movies. Um, Star Wars Collection. I, I I love the Star Wars Collection, and those movies are phenomenal. There's just so many of them. Um, the Big Lebowski is, is a great movie that, that anytime it's on, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick with that. So there, there's a lot of them out there, Tony. We could go on and on about movies with me. I, I have to admit that the last Star Wars movie I watched was in 1976, and that's the oh, only Oh, you've got a problem. You've yeah, got a problem. you, you got to lock back in. People tell me that, but, you know, it, it's okay. Uh, hey, Coach, <laughs> I, you know, thank you so much for taking the time. I know it's early in the morning here. Um, but it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I love coming down to Bosco and, and, and covering your kids and your games and, and seeing your program grow over the years. And, and I wish you nothing but continued success uh, in, in the future. Thanks a lot, Tony. I really appreciate having the opportunity to talk a little bit about my program. And um, like I said, I'm very proud you know, of what we've been able to accomplish. I'm very you know, humbled in the opportunities that I have here at Bosco, and I'm grateful um, for platforms like this to be able to to go out there and spread some of the the knowledge at which I've been able to accrue here during my coaching career. And and I look forward to seeing you this upcoming spring. I, I hope so, Coach. Thanks again, and uh, we'll be in touch. All right, man. Enjoy those classes today. All right, you too. Take care. All right. I would like to thank Coach Jason Negro from St. John Bosco High School for taking the time to spend with me here on the podcast. Uh, hey, ladies and gentlemen, the numbers in L.A. County are going down. Uh, let's keep wearing the mask. Let's keep social distancing. Uh, and let's hope and pray that we can have football and all other sports come January. Uh, if you've got any suggestions for me on the podcast, email me, TonyMoskal at gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter at TonyMoskal. Until then, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. Experience the empowering feeling of the Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now for April 1st. Get $750 cash towards the lease of our 2024 NX350 all-wheel drive. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Call 1-800-USA-LEXUS for important lease cash offer and pricing details. Restrictions apply. Not all customers will qualify. Offer available in the Lexus Eastern area in April 1st, 2024.